Sisters, welcome back to another episode for the podcast. I need answers. It's your boy. We're back for yet another episode for the podcast. I need answers. Now sit back and get ready because we're about to talk about some things today. We sure are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get it's a very sensitive topic. I get uh, some people may be. Uh, confused, angry, mad, but it is a conversation that needs to take place. You know what time it is. I was born this way. Well, <laughs> not not me, but it's the title of the chapter. It's chapter 7 if you're following the book. And before we start, we should start with a prayer as we always do. So let's gather our thoughts and our minds and say the following prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Holy, holy, holy is your name, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for bringing us together to talk about yet another important topic. We ask that you guide us in our spiritual journey to finding you. And we ask that you bless all the people listening to this podcast. Bless their day, bless their family, and all of their loved ones. I ask you, God, that you give me the ability to speak and use me as a vessel as I offer up my services up unto you through the intercessions of the most holy Theotokos and all of the saints, for blessed are you unto ages and ages. Amen. Okay, let's get right into it. Like I said, this is a very sensitive topic, and I understand many people have their own personal take and personal opinions about it. And oftentimes when you tend to discuss about, you know, the LGBT Q, and I don't, I don't know how many other letters we have. I almost ran out of letters. I'm not good at spelling anyway, but you know, I understand. But anyway, so uh, whenever you talk about this topic, and I get it's very contentious and, and people tend to debate and argue and all this stuff, but that's not the point here. The point here, this is a safe place. We're here to talk in peace and unity and love, and more importantly, to understand the actual teachings of the Ethiopian Orthodox Toronto Church. And with that being said, I would like to open up with uh, sharing with you a conversation I had with one of my buddies, a friend of mine. And we were sitting down, and my friend was not part of the Ethiopian Orthodox Toronto Church, and we were really like into this whole gay marriage thing. And we're discussing, we're debating, and 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 then finally he gets frustrated and he asks me, like, why do you care this much? Like, what's wrong with being gay? Like, what's really wrong? Why are you so strong about this? <laughs> and right there and then I understood that, like, he didn't understand anything I was saying. Because it's not about me and it's not about my feelings. I actually believe in what the Bible is saying. Like, when I talk about the topic of, of uh, homosexuality, I'm not telling you what I think about the people or about what they do even. I'm simply echoing what's written in the Bible. And as a Christian, as a member of the Ethiopian Orthodox Sohadu Church, I have to tell you what I believe. And for me, I honestly believe that the Bible is the word of God and I can't go against it. It doesn't matter what 
kind of society we're living in, it doesn't matter what the law says. Like, I am telling you, as a member of, it's not about my opinion, it's not about, like, hey, you know, like, uh, being part of the, the the LGBTQ community, like, they're very nice and all this stuff. I'm sure they are, and this is not personal, and, and, and if you happen to be listening to this podcast... And maybe you're, you identify as being gay or trans or whatever the case is. I'm here to tell you, my brother, my sister, like, this is not about you, like, personally. This is not about how I feel about you. I got nothing but love for you. Actually, to be honest, I don't know you, <laughs> right? Like, but, so I, like, it's not about hating you or, or, or anything like that. This is just about saying, hey, like, I believe in what the Bible is saying. Now, some people say, wait a minute, wasn't the Bible written 2,000 years ago? How could you still allow a book written 2,000 years ago guide you today? How could, how could you allow that to happen? My response to that is that's a very, very, um, that's a statement that has nothing to do with the, with the gay marriage and LGBTQ community. Whenever we enter into a discussion about how can you let the Bible guide your life today? We're entering into a different discussion and a different topic about religious liberty. And this is important to understand. This is a big point. Because even since I wrote this book, I Need Answers, I honestly feel that religious liberty is being threatened because Christians no longer feel safe enough to say, hey, I believe that the Bible says fill in the blank. And that is pro- uh, that's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, we need to be able to share what we believe without offending one another, without making fun of one another, without ridiculing one another. And I believe that's exactly what is happening uh, in present society. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Because I need to back up. And we need to talk about some some basic things before we even start discussing all of these things. Now, like I've heard many people talking about gay marriage, especially within the church. Like, <laughs> like sermons about gay marriage are very, very interesting to me because truthfully, like whenever I listen to like people, Christians, and I'm talking about Christianity at large, like not just the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church, but Christianity at large. Whenever people talk about gay marriage or homosexuality, I feel like people are hiding behind the Bible because they don't really want to show their homophobic tendencies or homophobia, right? Like, I do believe there is a culture, especially within the Christian community, that like there's a hatred for the gay and, 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 and trans community. And that's wrong. Not only is, is it wrong, it's unchristian. If you guys re- recall a few years ago, like on the news, it seemed like every other week, some young kid was committing suicide for being bullied just because he or she was gay. Um, where was the Christian community coming out and condemning these, uh, these people who are bullying them? Where was the Christian community going to the family and offering some type of like uh, comfort for the family, for the, for the victims? There was none of that. 
Because I, I do believe there is a culture that as Christians, we have to be honest, uh, we have to accept, uh, we have to own up to, which is there is a level of uh, like fear and even, dare I say, hatred for the gay community, the LGBTQ community. And that's wrong. That's wrong. The second thing that I want to say, again, if you happen to be hearing this, and you identify to be gay, lesbian, bi, whatever the case is. Understand, regardless of what people say around you, God loves you. Like, I can't even believe I have to say these words. But it needs to be said. Because like I said, in our society, like especially those of us who are claiming to be Christians, we don't... We don't behave in a way that is loving towards our own brothers and sisters, especially in the LGBTQ community. But God loves you. More importantly, like love is his attribute. So not only does he love you, but God himself is love. This is why his love for you is unconditional. There's nothing that you can do to change that. Unfortunately, this point gets neglected in the Christian community. So again, if you happen to be identifying as being part of the LGBTQ community, I want to urge you to simply ignore the noise around you and just focus your eyes on Christ. But what does it mean to focus our eyes on Christ? Does it mean that we can just like... <laughs> do whatever we want and, and, and say, hey, I'm focusing my eyes on Christ or is there expectations of me? One of the best epistles that I love is, is the book of James. And the book of James doesn't really get a lot of uh, attention within the Christian circle, but it should. It should. Its central theme within the book is about money. <laughs> you know, I love my money. You know what I'm talking about. But James recognizes that money in itself is not bad. It, and what, as Christians, it, what makes us good or bad is what we do with that money. And then he goes on to, in chapter 2 to start talking about the great works that you could do with the money that you have. And he starts talking about giving money to the poor. Then he says, if there's a poor man, you go up to him and say, hey, are you hungry? Well, be full. Believe. Have faith. You will be full. Is that really doing anything? The answer is obviously no. You have to follow up your words with actions. And of course, this is where we coined the term. Faith without actions is dead. It means nothing. And this also goes for Christians to say that we can't simply say, I believe in God, Christ is my heavenly father, uh, I am a Christian, and do nothing to follow the teachings and the rules of Christ that he placed in front of me. There are expectations as Christians. If I call myself a Christian, there are certain things that God expects of me. So now... We move on to the million dollar question. Are you born gay or do you choose to be gay? Again, I talk about this a lot in the book and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I bring it up here again because I hope you see why this question is extremely important. 
Because if you're born gay, that means God created you this way. There's literally nothing you can do with it. So whatever expectation that we're talking about, whatever rules that God has placed for you, obviously it, it, it can't encompass the idea of homosexuality because he himself created you that way, right? So this, or any discussion we do after that will be considered moot, uh, right? But if you're not born this way, and you choose to be gay, that means you can flip a switch and be ungay, right? And again, I go throughout this whole book about like my analysis, uh, especially about the whole idea of being born gay. I, I find that fascinating when people say that, like, are you born gay or are you born straight? Like, honestly, honestly, I mean, like, if you sit back and really think about it, what does a gay baby look like? I've never seen a gay baby before. Like, how could you look at a bit? Oh, look at him. He's so gay. <laughs> and I always imagine, like, what would a gay baby, like, how would he cry like? You know what I'm saying? Like, there, like there's, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Like, it's just, you know, like, there's no gay baby just like there's no straight baby. Babies are babies. They're just born. They just cry, right? Like, that's all they do. So you can't be born gay just like you can't be born straight. So what does that mean? Do, do you choose to be gay? Well, obviously not. Because especially within the Ethiopian society, you understand the, 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 the problem of, you know, coming out to your parents and letting them know, hey, I'm attracted to the same sex, automatically will get you to be shunned from society and from your family. Nobody will choose this for themselves. So what is happening? I think there's a third alternative. And that alternative is the fact that the feelings behind homosexuality are genuine. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're born this way. By the way, if you look up, like uh, if you look at uh, current science behind sexuality, you'll see that the science is actually saying that sexuality is fluid. It changes in your lifetime. By that very definition of sexuality is changing over a period of time, that means you were not born that way. And there are other things in the environment or whatever in, in your lifetime that is influencing that. I'm not saying you're choosing your sexuality. I'm just saying the desires behind your sexuality are invoked by a multitude of things that I think well we haven't figured out yet. But whatever they are, I do believe that, that that feeling is genuine. But it doesn't mean you are born that way. Neither does it mean you choose it. So what should we do about that? What's the solution? So, okay, you're not born this way, but the feelings are real. So what do you do? Well, now I think we're at a point where we need to address certain things. Mainly, is homosexuality, like, really a sin? Like, I've seen a lot of documentaries and people talk about, like, uh, you know, people are misreading the Bible and, and there's this and there's that and all this stuff. And uh, people say a lot of things. And so, is homosexuality really a sin? Yes, it is. That's the answer. Yes. 100%. Like, 
we can't really say, but if, you know, like, you know, the thing is, like, well, if you really, yeah, yeah, like, okay, like, talk. No, it is a sin. And it's very clear. I remember I was having a conversation with another buddy of mine, and, and she was telling me, you know, the Bible never talks about homosexuality. Like, it does. It does. I was having a, a conversation with a different person who told me that the word homosexuality is not in the Bible. Yeah, because the word homosexuality didn't exist until much, much later on, 18th or 19th century, whenever it was. That's when the word was coined. That's when it came up. Before that, the idea of homosexuality existed since old times, but that word didn't exist, so obviously how could it be incorporated in the Bible? I mean, these are very silly and really disingenuous conversations. There's a lot of documentaries of people who claim to be scholars who are talking about the idea of homosexuality being non-existent or, or not fully being condemned in the Bible. That's just wrong and disingenuous and it's misleading the people and it needs to stop. Let's recognize what the Bible says and then it's up to us to say, okay, well, I'm going to follow that section or not. That we can't, we can't dictate, but we can't just choose our own facts. So, <laughs> other people talk about, okay, yeah, it's written about in the Old Testament, but that's really it. Like, it talks about in the Old Testament, and like, even when it talks about the Old Testament, it mentions it a couple of times, and the Old Testament also t- tells us not to eat weird foods, and they have like weird customs and 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 cultures and all that stuff that we don't follow today. So if we don't follow any of the other things that we don't do anymore, why should we follow uh, uh, the section about homosexuality today? You know, again, these arguments are extremely disingenuous. When I was initially writing this book. One of the things that I did was I wrote the book and then I had a an editor that reviewed each chapter. My editor, very nice guy, Christian guy, very, very, very nice guy. And he read over the chapter. He said, okay, I want you to try to come up with like biblical verses to support your, your entire like argument. Like whatever you're saying, like back it up with biblical verses and stuff like that. And when we were having these conversations, like I told him, like, I can do that. I don't have a problem doing that. The, the only thing is, I think it's pointless. It's, it's really pointless because when you get to the point where you're just like, you know, that's not in the Bible or like, where is it in the Bible or, or like whatever, then you're no longer having a spiritual conversation. I felt like you're just debating for the sake of debating and you're just trying to win an argument. And people who, who are at a point of saying, you know, homosexuality is never really talked about in the Bible. I don't think at that point people are trying to learn. I don't think people are really trying to find out like new information and grow spiritual. I think people are just making statements and trying to win a debate. So what's the point of that? Like the Bible, we shouldn't be using the Bible to argue with people. We should be reading the Bible to grow spiritually. So I think these type of conversations are really pointless. They're pointless. Fruitless. So, but for the sake, like for the skeptics out there, if you're really like curious about what it says and and, and what the Bible has to say and all this stuff, I can, I'll show you one example 
of 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 the Bible and how the customs that are written about in the Old Testament is completely different from how the Bible addresses homosexuality. And again, like I like I really don't want to do this, but it's it's one of those things like if you're actually curious, you want to learn, then I'll show you an example of what I mean by when the Old Testament talks about customs and rituals, it talks about it in a very different way from how it talks about homosexuality. Let's take the example of food. Let's take the example of food. Obviously, as most of you guys know, the Bible is very vocal in the Old Testament about the type of food that we can and we cannot eat. And one of the books that talks a lot about this is in the book of Leviticus, particularly chapter 11 says a lot about the clean and unclean foods. And it begins with telling us the type of food that we can and cannot eat. And then it concludes that section by saying the following. You may not eat the meat of these animals or even touch their carcasses. They are ceremonially unclean for you. This is the key here. For you. Who's you? The people of Israel, the Israelites. According to their custom, this is something that is unclean for them. As Israelites, they can't eat this thing. This is not a universal law. Like God gives rules and laws Number one, as a like a, as a universal law that that's true for everyone, and then there are customs and rituals that is specific to the Israelites. When it comes to the food, we could tell that it's specific to the Israelites at that time. Then he concludes that section by saying, "For I, the Lord, I'm the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, that I might be your God." So his audience is the same people that he brought out of Egypt. Those people as are the Israelites. So for most of the rituals that we find in the Old Testament, understand these rituals are specific for the nation of Israel. So when it comes to other things, of course, when it comes to food, we as the Ethiopian Orthodox Order Church share a lot of the cultures and the rituals as the Israelites because we have a lot of history with them. And we continue to follow these traditions. Why? Because we have a lot of history with, with the Israelites. But when it comes to the rest of like uh, our Coptic, uh, our e Egypt uh, brothers and sisters, they, for example, eat pork because th this is not a universal law. They're, they're able to do that for them. That's correct. For us, we can't, we have to follow the traditions and the customs that was brought on for the, for the Israelites. So this is what, the, what I mean by universal law. Let me give you an example that you can understand. When you walk into an Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church, what's the first thing you do? Take off your shoes. If you walk into an Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church with your shoes on, that is disrespectful. That is disrespectful. Now compare that with going to a Coptic Orthodox Church where they have their shoes on and they walk in. So if you if you do the if you walk in with your shoes on in a Coptic church, that's not disrespectful. Why for the Orthodox, the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church, that is something that is considered disrespectful. Now, compare this with how the topic of, of homosexuality is discussed in the book of Romans, chapter 1. 
Verse 26, even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with the women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves and penalty they deserved. This is a universal law. This is not specific to the Israelites. This is true for everyone. And keep in mind... This verse is in the New Testament. So if we're going to have an honest discussion about whether or not homosexuality is a sin or is not a sin, then we're not going to go anywhere. Because it's clear that the Bible is very vocal about the idea of homosexuality. It is a sin and it's condemned. But again, I do not think these conversations about like homosexuality and stuff are fruitful because I don't think that's the direction we need to go to quick note when the Bible was originally written it didn't have chapters or verses it was just like a letter right like Paul was writing he wrote a letter and the reason why I bring this point up is if you continue to read like, a lot of times, especially within the Christian circle, like, people are debating and stuff like that. And they're like, you know, homosexuality is a sin. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 says, it is unnatural and all this stuff. It's like, okay. But go on to Romans chapter 2, verse 1. And the first thing it says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they're wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself for you who judge others do these very same things. And he continues. So the purposes of these verse verses in the Bible are not so that we can take it and use it to debate with people and win some type of argument. The Bible is written so we can connect with God. And I feel like we lose that aspect whenever we get into these debates about is it a sin, is it not a sin? Does God allow this? Does God not allow this? Our object or our, our main focus should be Christ. How can I get close to him? How can I get close to him. Now, this is a conversation worth having. It's a fruitful conversation. But again, when I'm saying we need to focus on Christ, I'm not saying we completely neglect all the rules and do whatever we want. If we are honest with ourselves about going to Christ with an open heart and open mind, that entails submitting my life to him and allowing him to completely transform my life. I was watching a documentary a few years back, and I think it was about the Baptist church. Uh, I may be wrong on that, but um, so the documentary is about like it was following this uh, church about like they were going to vote on the church's stance on homosexuality and people were going to vote on this. And eventually, like, the pastor and one gay member within the church community were having, like, a heated debate. And after a long time, the, the pastor said, you know, if you repent your sins and ask God to forgive you, uh, you know, then God will accept you into his kingdom or something to that effect. And the member within the, the, the LGBTQ community got very offended and she said stop trying to fix me like I'm not broken I don't need to be fixed 
I'm perfect the way I am. I don't need to change. And my heart went out to her. My heart went out to her. Because again, I think this is the real problem when we are having discussions like this. As Christians, whether you're straight, gay, lesbian, bi, trans, it doesn't matter. If you identify as a Christian, the first thing you have to understand is that you are a sinner. The first thing that you have to understand is we are nothing without God. And we need God in our life. And what we have to do is completely surrender our life to Christ. We can't tell him what section or what part of our life God will fix. Instead, we simply submit our life. Only when we can do that can we have a real and strong relationship with God. This is what it means to be a Christian. Focusing your eye on God. Focusing your eye on Christ. Neglecting the noises around you. And simply following Christ to the end. Not putting up uh, some type of like guard and saying, Look, you can't come to this section of my life. I'm not going to allow you to fix this part of my life. You could only do A, B, C, but not that. That is not complete submission. Complete submission means complete submission. And if you are listening to this, and you happen to be part of the Orthodox Sohadro community, and maybe you have, you know, gay friends or lesbian friends or whatever the case is, please, the goal is not to go around this world and try to make people ungay. Like if they're gay, we have we switch we make a switch and then make them straight. The goal is to connect them with Christ. The goal is not to have a two-hour debate about what the Bible says on the issue of homosexuality. The goal is to connect them with Christ. It is Christ that will change their lives. And that's how we have a full conversation, not a fruitless. This debate about like, come on, this, da, 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 it's not going to go anywhere. We have to understand, we focus on God, we focus on Christ. We submit our whole lives on, over to him. The challenge for this week is to make Psalm 23 and Psalm 51 part of your daily prayer. This is a very strong prayer that completely uh, changed my life and I, I urge you to do the same. And I hope you guys will also come back next week for a very emotional conversation. The struggle is real. I hope you have a blessed week. And I hope you guys really do these challenges because they're going to help. And I'll see you guys back next time. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God. Amen.